Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Always an honor to be with you. Hey, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to the book of 1 John. We're continuing our series there. And we're going to be in 1 John. We're going to be in chapter 2. And we're going to start in verse 3 in just a moment. You're going to see this is a pretty simple text, which is possibly why Pastor David trusted me to preach this morning. <laughs> now, it's a very easy, simple text. But just because it's simple, that doesn't mean it's not significant, right? Just because something is simple doesn't mean all oh, doesn't matter. No, it's very significant. And I'm excited to, to study it with you. Now, what's interesting about this passage, I feel like you'll see when we read it, what I like to call the big idea, the kind of the heart of what John is saying, it just kind of jumps off the page. Like we're gonna, we're gonna take some time in a minute to really kind of methodically walk through it and take it down slowly. But the big idea, it, it just kind of jumps off there. And so I'd like you to join me in 1 John chapter 2, verse three. He says, this is how we know that we know him if we keep his commands. The one who says, I've come to know him and yet doesn't keep his commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him, the love of God is made complete. This is how we know we are in him. Drum roll. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. So he says, big idea. We're going to have this on the screens for you. How can, we, how can you know if you know God? Answer, if you walk as Jesus walked. How can you know if you walk as Jesus walked? Another way you could say this is if you've experienced the love of Jesus, you will begin to live like Jesus. If you know the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of God, that's gonna lead you to begin to, to live like him. If you've experienced the love of Jesus, you're gonna begin to live like Jesus. Pretty simple, right? I think you, you could have stated that yourself. Like it, it, whether you studied it for a week or for five minutes, pr pretty simple idea there. But a few things I want us to, to keep in mind as, as we approach and kind of walk through the text this morning. First one, really important. This is not in your notes, just kind of some pregame here, okay? First thing, John's writing this. You know, a theme in, in 1 John is, is knowing you're saved, this assurance. He's writing it so you can be blessed not to stress you, right? God finds no pleasure in you stressing out over whether or not you're really a Christian. I, I've, I've been walking through 1 John, I've been kind of saying this a lot, that God's not pleased with you agonizing over whether or not you really know him. Now, he wants you to have clarity. God is a God of clarity, not confusion, amen? He wants you to know. So when I say it's, it's to bless you, really one of two ways. One being that it gives you assurance of salvation. As we walk through this passage and you look at your life as evidence for your knowing God, it gives you the peace that comes with assurance that 
yes, I know God. And I would even feel like some excitement that, yes, I know the living God of the universe, the one who died for my sins. I know him. Like, put that on your resume, right? Maybe not, but maybe they won't care. But like, that's pretty cool that you know God. What a cool thing to be assured of. I think a second way it blesses us is if you don't know Christ this morning, God longs for you to come into a relationship with him. That's a blessing. Like if your eyes could be uh, opened this morning and be awakened to the fact that you need Jesus, what a blessing, what a blessing. Second thing as we approach this text, I'll I'll tell you a quick, use a a metaphor um, as we think about this. If you've ever been on an airplane or or flown much, you you realize, you've experienced this, that when the, the stewardess, uh, starts to talk through, so you're not, you've not taken off yet, but she's talking through the explanation of, of what's gonna happen and she pulls out the safety card and all those things. What do most people do as they're going over all that? Yeah, look away, they check out, right? Like they put in their headphones, they may glance up and like, oh, okay. And like they go back to their iPad or their phone that is supposed to be turned off on airplane mode, by the way, or they're, they're reading the book, they're not paying attention. But one time, this is before Lauren and I had kids, we were coming back, flying back from Dallas to Lubbock. You know, they're doing the whole thing of, um, uh, in case of a water landing. And I'm like, if we have to land between Dallas and Lubbock on water, we're in trouble. Like, <laughs> it's just, just, it's call it, right? It's over. Well, the lady's doing her thing, right? And I'm like, like most people, not really paying attention. I think Lauren and I, we were on Southwest and we didn't have seats right beside each other. But the, the lady who was spunky but sweet came up to me and a couple other people, I was on the edge of the aisle and she said, hey, I want to give you a little pop quiz about what we just talked about. So I pull out my headphones. I'm like, oh no. And so she, she begins to ask me questions about what she had just shared. And I, I, I didn't know much, right? Cause she has some pretty specific questions. I just, I didn't know much. And so she's finished. She says, Hmm, I guess you should have listened to my talk. Right? And again, it was all in good fun, but it's funny. Most of us don't listen at that moment for one of two reasons. Either one, we, we don't think the, the chance of harm or the chance of, of uh, something difficult being that big, right? We're like, ah, we're gonna be fine, so I don't need to really listen. Or, or a second reason we don't really listen is because we figure we've heard it all before. And I had, I've flown, I've flown a lot, like, I, I don't know. Enough that if I had listened, I, I should know, but I, I didn't know it. I think a lot of times church, but certainly this morning, can be that way that we come and we think, oh, I'm good, everything's fine. And so we kind of tune out, which no one's put in their headphones yet. I appreciate that. Or, or we, we say, oh, yeah, hey, I've read this. I've heard this. Like, I'm all good. And so we kind of tune out. Don't miss out on what God has for you this morning. I think he's inviting us not to, as we walk through the text, not to look through a window and like, yeah, all those people out there. But he's really inviting us to look in the mirror and reflect this morning. I think not all passages are, are that, uh, emphasis is that strong there, but I think here it really is. There's no window to look through. He's inviting you to look in the mirror of self-reflection. The third thing I'd say before we really dive in is this. While it's simple, we, we wanna kind of drink this text down slowly, like a, like a simple cup of black coffee or, or hot chocolate, or if you're my wife, a 32-ounce Dr. Pepper, <laughs> But we're going to drink it down slowly and let it hopefully do one of two things. Either, either warm our soul with assurance that we do know God 
or awaken us to the fact that we need to know him. So I'm gonna let us pray for a minute and then we're gonna drink this text down kind of slowly. I've got what I'm calling helpful insights that really, if I'm honest, they kind of are saying the same thing that John keeps doing, what John's doing. He just keeps saying the, thing, the same thing kind of over and over again. But like a good cup of coffee, there's some different notes, some different flavors as we drink it down. Let me pray for us, then we'll dive in. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this amazing church and the love that we have for your word. And God, I pray that you would do what I think this text really is trying to accomplish, that you would either warm our souls with the hope of, a, of assurance and the peace that comes with that or awaken those this morning, Lord, that, that don't know you. They would realize their need for you. I'm gonna ask you for a moment with your head bowed and eyes closed just to ask God to speak to you this morning. God, we love you and and come to you with open hands and look forward to what you would do through your word this morning. In your name we pray, Jesus, amen. 1 John 2, I'm gonna read verse three again. He says, this is how we know that we know him if we keep his commands. So first thing I want you to see, first helpful insight is this. To know Jesus is to be changed by Jesus. To know Jesus is to be changed by Jesus. So if you, if you know him, that relationship with him changes who you are from the inside out, really. So the, the reason I'm saying changed by Jesus, what we're saying is you're gonna begin to keep his commands. But the reason I worded it the way I did to be changed by Jesus is look at the order. This is how we know that we know him if we keep his commands. So he doesn't say, if you wanna know him, then you need to keep his commands. No, he says, if you know him, you will what? Keep his commands. Because knowing him, having a relationship with him changes you. It's not how you get saved. It's it's what you do because you are saved. You keep his commands. Think about some of the commands Christ has given us. To seek first his kingdom. To love your neighbor as yourself. To make disciples. Look, think about in in the New Testament, in the epistles, in Galatians, to, to cling to the gospel, to, to not rely on self-righteousness, but to know that Jesus is your only hope of salvation. To build each other up with our words, not to tear each other down. To, to continue to meet together as part of the body of Christ. So notice, uh, that's just a quick flyover of a few of the commands. Those aren't all things we don't do. Like we typically think of being a Christian as things we don't do. Like, well, I don't drink, I don't do drugs, I don't go with girls who do. Like, that's, that's, who wants to be a part of that? That's all Christianity is, right? Like that's, what is that? No, that's, that's not Christianity. It's a relationship that leads to fruit, right? It changes who you are. You begin to obey his commands because, not so you can know him, but because you know him. I think about uh, my, my best friend in Tennessee. A lot of y'all remember him, Garrett Gregory. He was our high school pastor here for about nine years. And Garrett, when he met his now wife, Chelsea, he was about 32 or 33, I think, somewhere in there. And so he had kind of long established the rhythm of a single young man. And you can fill in the gaps with all, those, all the things that means. And I remember she came to visit, she was actually coming to visit some other friends here in Lubbock, but they met on a Wednesday night up in, in the youth room at church here. And the next day, that Thursday, we were gonna 
me and Garrett and Chelsea and a few other friends, we're gonna drive to uh, West Crust Pizza. It used to be on 82nd, just past Frankfurt. And we're gonna meet there. Well, I was driving behind Garrett and Chelsea. They were in his, in his vehicle. And Garrett and I, we're good youth pastors. We had eaten pizza at West Crust all the time. So we knew, we knew where it was. But I'm driving behind Garrett. He drives right past West Crust. So I call him, I'm like, well, hey, what are you doing, man? He's like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. He just hangs up, like, that's weird. So we get to West Crust and he kind of, as we're fixing to order, he kind of pulls me aside and he's like, dude, like, I'm all nervous around here. I'm like, yeah, I can tell. Like, <laughs> you, missed, you missed the restaurant, like, what's going on? She, she was having an impact on him. But, but more importantly, she, she brought out some good things in Garrett. So Garrett normally hated the corn maze here, the Allardew Farms corn maze, right? Which I think is really cool, but it, he hated it because it messed with his sinuses. So he would gripe and moan if we were gonna go to the corn maze. Well, all of a sudden, because Chelsea wanted to go to the corn maze, <laughs> let's go, that's right. Garrett loves the corn maze now. Or it's funny, Garrett being a singing young man, he could, he didn't have anybody to take care of. He would spend his money just how he wanted and he wasn't like in the always habit of, of saving tons of money because he just didn't see like he had to all the time. When he met Chelsea, after they started dating for a few weeks, I remember he would begin to say things like, nah, I think I'm just gonna go eat at the house and save a little money. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. He wasn't trying to win her affection at that point. No, he had already at that point come into a relationship with her and she was just changing him. And, and, and he loved it. <laughs> he wasn't mad about it. To know Jesus to be changed by Jesus. It changes who, who you are from the inside out. You know what's cool? Garrett didn't have to wear a t-shirt that said, I love Chelsea. No, you just, you just looked at him and you could tell that he's, something's different here. He, he, he knows and he loves Chelsea. It's kind of what John gets at in, in verse four. He says, the one who says, I have come to know him and yet doesn't keep his commands is a liar. The truth is not in him. Here's a second insight I want you to see here. Your life speaks louder than your lips. Your life speaks louder than your lips. Man, we, one thing I, I love about where we live is there are, there are a lot of Christians. There's a lot of, I think you could say like Christian culture. I mean that in a positive way, but there's also a lot of people who just like to put on that label, Right? Yeah, yeah, I'm born, I'm born again, I'm a Christian, I'm an evangelical. Often they don't know what that means, but yeah, I'm an evangelical or I'm a Southern Baptist. We put all these labels on, but just because you put a label on something doesn't make it what it is, right? So he says, if you, you can say you're a Christian, that you know Jesus, but if it's not backed up with your life, then you're lying. And it's not like, here's the thing. When he says you're lying, the truth is not in that person. You're not... You're not necessarily, I mean, you are hurting other people, but more importantly, John's showing us you're hurting yourself. Like you're lying to yourself. Even if it makes you feel good that your other people think, oh yeah, they're a Christian. Who cares what people think if you're not actually a Christian? Your life speaks louder than your lips. I want another, thing, another like insight we're gonna see in verse four, and I'm kind of, kind of building these here. So we often will say, yeah, people will say, I know Christ, and they're often pointing to an experience they have. Let me give you this third insight, I think, is this. Obedience, <clears throat> obedience need not be flashy, but it must be a reality. 
Obedience need not be flashy, but it must be a reality. So I, I know I'm, again, I'm building here on what he's saying that people say, oh, I know him. But if they don't keep his commands, they're a liar. I think often people are saying, oh, I know him. And they say it with some confidence because they're, they're looking back to this uh, sensational or spectacular experience they had. So what I mean is maybe one Sunday they were really excited and they, they walked down the aisle. That's not a bad thing. But they look back to walking down the aisle and they go, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Or they look back to a retreat or to a camp they went to as a young person and they, yeah, we were all around the fire and we were singing this worship song and it was awesome. That's not a bad thing. But they look back to that and they go, oh man, I'm for sure I'm, I'm a Christian. Or they say, oh, I went on a mission trip when I was in high school and it changed my life. But, but again, what John's saying is no matter what you say, no matter what experience you could point to, if it's not borne out in your life in obedience, then it doesn't matter. So we often, we often base, like, oh, I'm a Christian on something flashy that happened. Oh, my, my parents, I come from a generation of ministers. Or again, like, I, I had this experience. And it's not about flash and pomp and circumstance, right? It's, do you obey? That's good evidence. Do, do, do you walk with him? I think one last thing I can't pass up here on this, again, building, so... They, things we, we say we're a Christian, what, why, things we base it on, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, often, again, it is related to sensation and spectacular is feeling. So here's the fourth insight I want to give you. It's this. Assurance is better anchored in your obedience than your feelings. Assurance is better anchored in your obedience than your feelings. Th- this should be encouraging and and also challenging. So again, I think some people would say, oh man, yeah, I'm a Christian for sure. But then their life doesn't back it out because they felt close to God. Or when they come to church, like they, they feel happy or they, they read a Christian book and it makes them feel good. Like I do think that those things impact Christians that way. But if you're just basing it on how you feel, but it's, you have no life change, that's not, that's not good assurance. Like that, you shouldn't base it on how you feel. But why it's encouraging, assurance is better anchored in your obedience than your feelings, is because feelings are fickle, aren't they? Like if you base your assurance, like do I really know God? If you base that on your feelings, then this next week, there might be four mornings that you wake up and go, I'm not a Christian, right? Because sometimes we wake up and we don't know why, what's, what's wrong with us? Faith is more than a feeling, friend. We need to probably disconnect a little bit. I think our culture right now, we want to feel everything. You're not always gonna feel like you're saved. Right, there's, times, there's times I get on to my kids and I'm thinking, am I a Christian? Like I, I got so mad right there. What is wrong with me? But, but look to your obedience. I'm not saying I'm saved because I do these things, but regardless of how I feel, man, I can be assured my relationship with God based on look at the life change he's brought in my life. I don't have to be on this roller coaster of how do I feel? No, I can see the difference Christ has made in my life even though I'm not really feeling it today. It's an anchor for your soul. Now, if you're like me, that's encouraging, but at the same time, you're kind of like, yeah, but my obedience isn't perfect. And like, if I'm looking to that as assurance, my obedience sometimes seems up and down. Keep reading. Look at verse five. He says, but whoever keeps his word truly in him 
the love of God is made complete. Whoever keeps his word, truly in him, the love of God is made complete. We're gonna see a couple things here. But when he says whoever keeps, that, that word is not that 100% you keep his word. It's that the trajectory, the habit, the pattern of your life is to obey God, to keep his word. If you say, well, how do we know he doesn't mean you have to keep it 100% of the time or you're not saved? Well, if you go back to 1 John chapter one, he says, if you claim that you are without sin, then you are a what? A liar, yeah. 1 John 1, 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to what? Forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So clearly he doesn't mean if you keep it and you never sin, then you can be sure of your salvation. No, look at the pattern, the trajectory of your life. And, and is, this, is there this growth towards Christ-likeness? So we'll say it this way. The fifth insight is this. Walking with God looks more like progress than perfection. Looks more like progress than perfection. Am I making progress? I love what our friend Holly Beatonbow says sometimes. It's this. Everybody walks through the mud sometimes. It's another thing to lay down a waller in it, <laughs> right? Everybody walks through the mud sometimes. We're all gonna fall down. Everybody falls in the mud sometimes. But the heart of the believer is to get up and to run to Jesus and not just waller around in it. It's progress, not perfection, but, but progress. I wanna unpack that a little more thing about progress. Ben, Pastor Ben Stewart tells a story of when he and his wife Donna were, were newlyweds, they moved into this house that was somewhat of a fixer-upper. And he said that one of the worst parts about this house that needed the most work was the yard was out of control. He said the weeds were about his size. <laughs> I mean, it's probably a little exaggeration there, but massive weeds. So he said one of the first days they moved in there, he took the weed eater out there and it was like Braveheart, just taking down these weeds, right? Like he said it was, it was crazy. And he said after he did that, the yard still didn't look great, but going from five foot weeds to a couple inch weeds made a big difference. He said slowly, the, the, the grass, or excuse me, the weeds began to dissipate. There were still weeds, but there, there were less of them. And slowly but surely they saw like actual grass that we like beginning to grow. So, so neighbors would notice, man, they wouldn't say this obviously, but the yard didn't look like it should, but man, that yard has come a long ways. Man, that yard has come a long ways. If someone were to drive through the neighborhood, they may think, oh, he doesn't even care about his yard. His yard looks terrible. But if they were to say that, they would not have known where that yard started, right? If Ben were to compare his yard to everybody else's yard, he'd probably feel defeated. And like, I, am I, do I have no skills as a yard man? If he thought about where he had come from, some encouragement there. See, the, the Christian life is like that. If you compare yourself to other people to try to get assurance, that's a slippery slope. Because <clears throat> there's some people, you compare yourself, you can always find somebody to make yourself look good, right? <laughs> or you're gonna think, I'm not, I'll never be like them. It's not about that. Or, or, are you making progress? Do you see this trajectory of, of keeping his, his word? Something else here in, in verse five, I'm gonna read it again. Whoever keeps his word, truly in him, the love of God is made complete. I wanna unpack it before I give you the insight here. But when he says in him, the love of God, 
excuse me, he's referring to, so it's the love of God in me for God is what he's talking about. Uh, I feel like that's, it reads kind of funny, but um, doing some, some recons some research, that's what he's saying. The, the love of God in me for God. So that love for God is made complete. Some translations say perfected or mature when I keep God's word. What's he saying? So my love for God, it reaches its intended goal when I obey God. So, so, so love is meant to be expressed in action, right? So love for God, I can say I love God all I want, but if I don't, if it's not expressed in action, then I'm, I probably don't love God. I can tell my wife I love her all the time, but if she can't look to some actionable things and say there's proof of his love, then what does she base it on? Just, oh, I love you, but I'm gonna do what I want. No, love of God, the real love, the intended goal is action. He says, that's the same way with your walk with Christ. So I think here's, here's to kind of flip the coin a little bit, here's the sixth insight I want us, want us to see. The transformed life is ultimately one of delight, not drudgery. The transformed life is ultimately one of delight, not drudgery. You know what drudgery is, right? Drudgery is what our toddlers do when we tell them to clean their rooms. All of a sudden, they're thirsty, they're hungry, right? <laughs> All the things, and they drag their feet, right? And it's drudgery, and it's the worst. If you really know Jesus, I don't mean really know like more than other people. I mean, if you have a relationship with Christ, if you are a believer, if you're a Christian, if it's real, yes, of course, there are times of, this is gonna be tough, but I'm gonna do it. But the, the, the majority, I would say, of your life is a delight in following God, even when it's hard. There's this delight. I really, I want you to examine yourself here. Do you have a delight in the things of God and obeying him? And there's moments where it's a struggle, but if, just to give some examples, if, if loving your neighbor if reading your Bible, if praying to church, if all the, sorry, if, if praying, if, if coming to church, if all those things are like the worst things in your life, like, oh, Sunday, I hate Sunday. Oh, we're gonna go to church. Like, but I'm gonna do it anyways. If that's how it is for you week in, week out, clearly that, that action is not stemming from a place of love. And if you don't love God, then you don't know him. So I think a way that you could say is like, have I been transformed? Is well, do I, do I delight in the things of God, or is all of this just just drudgery? Again, don't don't we're not looking out the window here. You're looking in the mirror. So you could say, do I, do I love God, and is it displayed in my action? One more sip of coffee this morning. Verse six. The one who says he remains, let me back up actually like to five, halfway through five. This is how we know we are in him. Colon, here it is. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. Here's the insight, even though it's really simple. <laughs> you already see it. Number seven, Christians begin to look like Jesus not so they can become God's children, but because they are God's children. 
you begin to look like Jesus, not so you can become God's child, but because you are God's child. So if you know him, if you're abiding in him, you're gonna walk as he walked. You're gonna begin to love the things that Jesus loves. You're gonna begin to stay away from the things that Jesus didn't want a part of. I don't know what it means to look like Jesus and walk like him. Well, great homework this week. Go read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? What does it look like to follow and walk like Jesus? Doesn't mean you're gonna be perfect, again, progress over perfection, but you're gonna begin to look like Jesus. You know, if you've ever, if you've ever seen Lauren and I's kiddos, they look a lot like us. Like I, I, I've been told, some people are like, no, it's kind of creepy. Like Haddon is a little mini me of me and our girl Caroline Tate is a little mini me of Lauren, which means when she gets older, I'm gonna have to be trouble and get a baseball bat. You know what I'm saying? Like it's gonna be bad. <laughs> but you know what? Haddon and Caroline Tate, they're three years old. They don't get up in the morning and go, all right, so my parents can accept me, will accept me. I'm gonna try to look like dad and mom. I'm like, no, no, they just look like us because they're our kids. We don't, we, don't have, we don't have to try hard. They just, they just look like us. They don't have to try hard. They're just our kids. If you're a Christian, if you know Jesus, while there's effort in growing in Christ-likeness and putting on the armor of God, there's not this daily, oh man, I gotta try hard so, so I can be God's child. No, there's already a relationship and that relationship makes you look like him. There's growth, there's some effort in, in pursuing him but you look like him because you're his kid. So again, not the window, the mirror. Are you beginning, is there progress in looking more like Jesus? If you're really God's kid, there will be that progress. You'll be, begin to look like him. Do you, do you know Jesus? Not, do you come to church? Not, do you call yourself a Christian? Not, did you pray a prayer? Do you know him? And does the evidence back it up? If this morning you would, you would look and say, I don't think I do. No, I, notice, I didn't say, are you, if you're, if you're only 99.9% .9 sure, then no, I, we're not doing that. Everybody struggles and has doubts sometimes. We're not playing the 0.1% the game. But just simply, do you know him? And does your life bear it out? Can, can you look and see progress in Christ-likeness? If you can't, if you don't know him, yo, I've got good news for you. See, the posture of God is not this. He's not, God's not in heaven this morning going, I knew it. I knew those little sinners were sneaking into church. They're not really saved. <laughs> no, the posture of God is best seen on the cross, right? With, with open arms. That, yeah, he sees you, child, and says, yeah, I, I know trying to be like me is really hard if you don't actually know me. That's why he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, right? He says, come on, there's, there, there's open arms, See, if you've been trying to do the Christian thing and trying to look like a Christian, but don't actually know God, then I know if, as a fact you're exhausted. You're tired. And God's saying, come on home. There'll be some men down front, some pastors down front in a few moments. 
They'll be here to pray with you and talk with you. But maybe even right now, you just want to say, Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner in need of your grace. Would you save me and be the Lord of my life? See, the whole reason Jesus came is because we're broken and in need of a savior. We're sinners. So he came, lived the perfect life, died the death that we deserve, and three days later rose again, offering forgiveness and hope and grace and mercy. If you'll simply just turn to him. You can know him. This morning, if you don't, why wait? If you're a believer, you're looking at this morning and you're going, yeah, I got I'm not perfect, but man, this is, like, this is encouraging. I see how God has changed my life. That's something to be excited about, to have assurance that you know God. How cool is that? That the creator, the sustainer of the universe who holds everything together by the word of his power, that he loved you enough to die for you, has called you to make you his own, and you have a relationship with him. Something to rejoice in, something to rest in. Let the peace of God flood over you that you know Christ. But, but I want to close with this. I shouldn't say, there's no but, and. <laughs> so in addition to that, that encouragement, that rest that comes from assurance, I think all of us as, as believers, there's still, there's part of us that we read this and we just know, man, I got room to grow, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, if, you, if you don't see that, then, then check yourself, right? <laughs> then, then maybe you don't know him if you think, nah, I, I'm, I'm good, I'm perfect. All of us have some room to grow. I want, I want to leave you with, with this. Don't leave this morning and go, I know Christ, I'm going to obey more in this kind of like pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and now I'm going to really tackle this. Like that's not going to go well, I'm just telling you. Remember the order that John gave this. If we know him, relationship with him, it's going to show an obedience. So if I want to grow in obedience, what do I focus on? Relationship, right? If you think about the epistles, especially Paul's almost to a T, meaning almost every time, he begins outlining and reminding us of the gospel, of what Christ has done for us, of who we are in Christ. And then he says, so here's how you should live. Like in Romans, he spends 11 chapters outlining the gospel. And then in chapter 12, he's like, so here's how you should live. If you want to grow in godly character, grow in your grasp of the gospel. I've used this metaphor before. Like it, it's, if you're just trying, I'm going to try harder, I'm going to obey Christ, and you're not focusing on your relationship with him, it's like trying to ride a bike with one pedal or steer a kayak only going one direction. What happens? You just go in circles, right? You need to get that rhythm, that motion of, yes, I want to grow in obedience, but I'm going to focus on my relationship with Christ. I'm going to spend time on his word. I'm going to talk with him. And as I grow in my grasp of the gospel, I will grow in godly character. And this morning, if you don't know Christ, you can know him. And if you do, you can rest in him and you can rejoice that you can keep growing in him because of your relationship with him. I'm gonna pray for us and we're gonna have a time of just response to talk with the Lord and just respond as he has led us to this morning. Again, there'll be some men down front to pray with you. Let me pray for us. God, we're grateful for this text. As a believer, what an encouragement, what hope just to be reminded and, and to, to see, yes, yes, we know you and the peace that comes with that. But Lord, would you also help us to, to continue to focus on our relationship with you so we can continue to grow in our Christ-likeness and in our obedience to you. And Lord, 
For those that don't know you this morning, would you draw them to yourself? Would you open their eyes to their need for you? God, would they have the courage? They wouldn't be ashamed, wouldn't be embarrassed. Who cares what other people think, God? But they would boldly call on your name for salvation, regardless of what they've said in the past. Lord, I pray you give them courage to maybe come and to talk to one of these men down front, just to, to celebrate and rejoice that you have saved them. Well, thank you that it's as simple as just calling on your name, recognizing we are sinners in need of grace and believing that you provided that grace and forgiveness on the cross and we can turn to you and confess you as Lord and we will be saved. <clears throat> God, would you help us to respond boldly and clearly? It's your name we pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information to make a commitment or to request prayer, please text the word podcast to 555-888. You can also connect with us on our Southcrest app or our website for complete worship services or to plan to visit us in person. Thanks again for listening.